0: Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everyone online as well. I was told to say hi to Karen this morning. Good morning, Karen. (laughs) And I hope everybody got communion. Well, I'm excited to be opening up a Christmas series at church today. Can you believe it? I actually said Merry Christmas at the end of my message. It felt a little funny, but I'm breaking it in. Merry Christmas. Um, If you're like me, maybe you've been in the Christmas spirit for several weeks now. Um, my family has had the tree up since November 12th. That, that's the day, November 12th. We really want to observe Remembrance Day and then November 12th it is. And so we've been listening to Christmas music. We've been drinking lots of hot chocolate, uh, eating treats, and uh, I have a confession to make because confession is a good thing. It's a spiritual discipline. That's what Pastor Greg says. But um, I had to try on three shirts last night before I found one that fit. So... <laughs> I, I tried on one and went and showed Chantelle and she's like, no, it's too small, and I was like, really? And so I was dealing with a bit of shame um, last night. <laughs> But the good news is, is New Year's is coming. So I'm as excited for New Year's resolutions providing they work as I am for Christmas. Um, Some of you may not be ready for Christmas. In fact, maybe you haven't even started decorating yet. Uh, I always run into those people that say, never in November, you cannot put up a tree or a light until December. Maybe you're one of those people or maybe you're like my grandparents who only put up the tree on Christmas Eve and then took it down again on Boxing Day. Oh, wow. Right? But if you are one of those people, I'm just cheering you on. It's time to drink some eggnog. It's time to turn up the classics. And uh, Christmas is here. Hope you're excited. Uh, So the series that we're starting today is called Love Breaks Through. Love Breaks Through. I love that title. There's somewhat of a paradox in that title, and it's represented in the graphic that we're going to show you on the screen right now. And so, we see a manger with soft light shining on it. It's beautiful. It's warm. But then we also see a lightning bolt, which is something strong, something powerful and forceful. Love is usually associated as something that is warm and tender and affectionate. and Love is never forced upon anyone, but to say that love breaks through love breaks through is to suggest a kind of love that isn't just soft and intimate, but a love that moves powerfully upon people. And it it doesn't stop, it doesn't shrink back, it doesn't shy away, but it perseveres and it accomplishes its purpose. Now, every Christmas, um, this happens to me is it 's easy to think about Jesus as meek and mild, like a child it 's definitely how we think of him, a helpless little baby in a manger, uh, up until I was about eighteen years old. truthfully that 's a bit of the image that I had of Christ because i 'd grown up in Sunday school and i 'd seen the flannel graph and i 'd seen little Jesus and his disciples and whatnot. Um, But I always knew the Father and the Holy Spirit were immensely powerful. They were big. Jesus was just a man. Jesus was just a person. But then I turned to John chapter 1. If you want to shatter that understanding of Jesus as only a person, read John chapter 1. Because you read about him as the living word of God, the living word of God with God, yet fully God himself, a member of the Trinity, face to face with Father and Spirit. One of the translations I was reading this week calls Jesus God's living expression. I love that. God's living expression. Not just a baby, not just a man with flowing hair, but the creator of the cosmos, Everything that we see and know today. John chapter 1 says that everything was made through him. Nothing has existence apart from him. A fountain of life is within him. And to talk about the mighty, persuasive, breakthrough kind of love, verse 5 of John chapter 1 calls Jesus the light in the darkness and the light that the darkness cannot overcome. Cannot distinguish that light. It's a powerful light, it's a breakthrough light. And so there was a time where I needed a profound refresh on who Jesus was, but I believe that every year we need a refresh on who Jesus was, who he still is today. Jesus is relatable. That's a whole other message. In in his human condition, he was like you and I. Uh, He had a body. He experienced aches and pains, sadness, anger, joy. He worked, he rested, he drank, he traveled, he enjoyed relationships. Uh, Hebrews 4 talks about how um, he was tested and he was tempted in the same way that you and I are tested and tempted. But in his heavenly and eternal condition, Jesus is awe-inspiring. Jesus is amazing. Uh, the book of Revelation, which was also written by the Apostle John, uh, John has a vision of Jesus and Jesus has eyes like blazing fire, feet like bronze, and a voice like rushing waters. He holds seven stars in his hands and a sword is coming from his mouth. That, that, that's an image of Jesus. There are descriptions of him that are beyond human understanding. And so, what is amazing for you and I is although Jesus is, he's, he's personal and approachable, he is unfathomably powerful. And the story of Christmas, the message of love breaking through, is that this God is with you, and he's with me, he's with people. And that knowledge, time and time again, is a wonderful reminder that this relatable, all-powerful God is with me and for me. God's love breaks through every barrier. It fills up every deficit. It's the solution to every problem. Can I get an amen? Come on now, who's with me? He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Now, um, that's the introduction to the series, Love Breaks Through. Let's talk about my message this morning. Um, We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament. It's about a man named Jacob who had a dream about heaven touching earth. And although it's not traditionally a Christmas story, there might be a few moments as I continue to communicate this morning where you go, I thought this was a Christmas series. This is a story that points us toward Christmas, and it reminds us that God broke through time and space to be with us and to demonstrate his love for us. His love is breaking through to people who are lost and hurt and lonely and broken and afraid and insecure and people who have made mistakes. His love is breaking through to those people. And so let's begin with a word of prayer, because I'm believing for that great love to get powerfully infused into your life today. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for each and every person in this room. I pray for all of them right now that are watching through the camera. God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come to each and every one of us. And I pray that we would understand just how far you came to be with each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love the meaning of the name Emmanuel. We talk about this at Christmas time. That is one of the names that was given to Jesus. Uh, it means God with us. God with us. Now, God with us. Is not uniquely God who is with us only at Christmas time, but God is with us all the time. And every book of the Bible points to this God who is with us. The entire narrative of Scripture is about the reconciliation of relationship between God and people. And the way in which God initiates relationship with people is almost always a breakthrough. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about it this week that, that people are not usually seeking God out on their own. It's not like everybody's watching the sky and where's God? I want to know him. I just, I'm searching for him, but God is always hidden. That is not the God of Christianity, but God is always seeking us out and he's always awakening us to his presence and his purpose. And he comes to us when we're lost and alone, when we're confused and broken and looking for answers. So, Jacob in the Bible, we're going to talk about a guy named Jacob, is this kind of person. We're going to look at his story in Genesis 25, and we're just going to skip a stone all the way over to Genesis 28. We're not going to read it all, but we'll summarize. Here's a little bit more about Jacob. So, Jacob had one brother. His name was Esau. So, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the older brother, but not by much. And I'll tell you why. It's because these were twin boys. They were twins. Uh, Jacob came out second, and from the moment he came out, there was already this sense of sibling rivalry because Jacob came out grasping a hold of Esau's heel. Can you imagine that? Two twin boys. One comes out grasping a hold of his brother's heel. The name Jacob literally means he grasps at the heel. And as I read that, I thought, this is a really interesting philosophy on naming children. I wish I would have paid more attention when my five children were born because maybe I would have named them a little bit differently. But beyond that, the Hebrew definition of the name Jacob describes a person who seizes opportunity and unfortunately not in a good way but it's somebody who circumvents, who deceives, who usurps, who manipulates to get what they want. Uh, Another word that we don't use very often in our modern English language is the word supplanter. Supplanter. I'm going to tell you what that means and I put it on the screen for you. A, A supplanter is someone who wrongfully or illegally seizes and holds the place of another. That is synonymous with the name Jacob. Now we're going to come back to that later, but for now you need to know that Jacob lived up to his name. Toward the end of Genesis 25, uh, Jacob, who is the younger brother, he deceives Esau into selling him his firstborn birthright for some bread and some stew very strange story. Esau is starving. Jacob says, yeah, I'll feed you, my brother, uh, but you need to renounce your firstborn status and you need to swear by oath to give it to me instead. And as ridiculous as that sounds, Esau does it. Must have been very hungry, must have loved food. But two chapters later, Jacob and Esau's father, his name is Isaac, He's going blind, he can't really see very well, and he's about to die, and he wants to bestow his fatherly blessing upon his firstborn. He wants to bestow it upon Esau. But while Esau is out hunting, Jacob dresses up in his brother's clothes. I mean, he's got his brother's smell, and he goes to his aging father, impersonating his voice. I mean, the Bible's kind of funny, isn't it? Jacob goes to Isaac, and long story short, if you read it, Isaac speaks this wonderful blessing over the wrong guy. He speaks it over Jacob and not over Esau, who was first. Now, Esau clearly is trying to ignore the fact that he sold his birthright uh, to his younger brother. He comes back from hunting, and uh, he goes to his father to receive the firstborn blessing, only to find out that a supplanter, Again, what is that? What's a supplanter? Someone who wrongfully or illegally seizes and holds the place of another, a supplanter. In other words, Jacob has shown up and has swindled the blessing from the firstborn. Now, this is a very dramatic story. If you go to chapter 27, uh, starting in verse 33, it says, Isaac began to tremble violently. This is the dad. This is a big deal. Verse 34 says that Esau burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said, Father, bless me too. He's weeping. But it was too late. In verse 36, Esau said this. We're going to pick up the story right now. It says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing And then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me, Father? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him, that's Jacob, Lord over you, and have made all his relatives and his servants uh, his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Jumping to verse 41, it says Esau held a grudge against Jacob, and he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. So another character enters the story at this point, and this is their mother, Rebekah. Rebekah hears Her firstborn, Esau, utter these words, this this threat, and she runs to Jacob and she warns him and says, you need to get out of here. Your brother's a hunter. You're going to get shot, man. Go, run! And so Jacob runs away over 800 kilometers to a community called Haran to join up with uh, some of his mother's relatives and to start over. So we're going to pause there for a moment. Church, I think we all can agree that all of Jacob's self-effort All of his strategizing, all of his deceiving, manipulating, usurping, trying so hard did not serve him very well. Amen? Yeah. And at the beginning of chapter 28, he was left with nothing but a guilty conscience, A heavy heart. It had been two days since he left home. Isaac is shocked and stunned. What just happened? His mother is weeping. Esau is seething with anger, probably rallying some men to go after him. And you can imagine Jacob running as fast as he can, tears pouring down his cheeks, trying to put as much distance as he can between him and his brother. And so Jacob is exhausted. He's afraid. He's lonely. He's grieving the loss of family relationship. Uh, Moreover, he's poor. He dropped everything, he left his inheritance, and he's likely filled with shame and regret because he tried to seize everything and he only lost everything. And so, homeless, penniless, helpless, alone, Jacob decides to go to sleep. Not necessarily a bad choice. When life gets that bad and you're that broken and it's been that hard, oh, take a nap. Not a bad idea. So on the second evening, or on the evening of the second day, the sun sun sinks over the horizon. Jacob stops for the night. He's actually on the outskirts of a city called Luz, uh, and this city is filled with possibly strange and dangerous people, and so he doesn't go into the city because he's afraid. It's not exactly safe to stay outside the city. There's probably thieves and marauders, but on a hillside outside the town, An area strewn with rocks and boulders, Jacob made his bed. And the darkness comes, and he rests his head upon a large, flat stone. Jacob was also terrible at choosing pillows. (laughs) Terrible. He rests his head upon a rock. Uh, So let's stop there for a moment. Some of you are thinking... Why, Pastor, are you digging into this Old Testament story? This this story contains a dream that is a foreshadow to the coming of Jesus. It's a foreshadow to Christmas, believe it or not. And I believe that Jacob shows us a lot of characteristics of the people that were surrounding Jesus in the Christmas story. And I believe that Jacob represents a lot of people in our world today, maybe even people in this room, maybe people watching online today. Almost instantly from the moment we're born, our inclination is me first. We have a self-indulgent nature, acronym for sin, sin nature. Uh, we're naturally competitive, we're sometimes manipulative. Maybe if we were to look back on all the years of our lives, we would remember moments where we lied or we cheated to get ahead, maybe choices that cause division in our family. My name's not Jacob, but every one of us is a Jacob. Every one of us is this young man. He's an accurate picture of humanity. And the consequences for his actions are many, and they're the same for all of us. Maybe there was a time where you ran away from a problem. You were like, oh, that was a mess. I'm just going to leave the situation. Or you ran away from a relationship. Sometimes we don't deal well with broken relationships and divisions, and so we just pack up and we leave. And so, driven by fear and insecurity and hurt, it was better just to go than to stay. Maybe there was a time where you believed, I can do it. I have it in me. I can accomplish everything that I want. I can achieve the blessing. I can win the prize. I can reach the goal. And then your efforts just fell flat. That hurts. That's hard. And so, like Jacob, there are a lot of people on a long journey, and they're filled with shame and regret. And there's a lot of life behind them. They're trying to forget about some of those things. They're uncertain and they're present and they're uncertain about the future. Jacob stops for the night and rests his head on a stone. Again, it was a very barren, rocky area where he was. Maybe your life has felt like that as well. That even in your current condition, your current place of supposed refuge, you're uncomfortable, you're broken, you're empty. His pillow's a rock. But to encourage you, there is good news because God's love breaks through that place. God's love breaks through into those kinds of people. Um, I want you to kind of catch, there's a bit of an evangelistic tone to the remainder of my message as well where you might say, yeah, that's my life. I'm Jacob. I've had those experiences. I've had those hurts. I've I've had those mistakes. It's hard. I, I don't know how to get back from that. But you might be thinking about a grandchild. You might be thinking about a son or a daughter, a neighbor or a friend and say, Lord, let your grace reach that person in their moment of need. Let your love break through to that person because they need you. Yeah. Amen. All right, well, God had never spoken to Jacob, which is really strange because God had spoken to Abraham, his grandpa, his, uh, to Isaac, his father, but for his whole life he had lived on borrowed faith. And there's a lot of Christians that are kind of like that as well. My grandma prayed for me. My grandpa prayed for me. And you're living on borrowed faith. That was a little bit of uh, Jacob's story. He was raised in the faith. He was taught the faith. He knew the faith. Might have even a little bit believed the faith, but he had never had a personal revelation. the amazing point is that God now speaks to Jacob right at that moment of desperation, Even Jacob's deception was used by God to bring him to this moment. There are people that are making terrible mistakes all around us. And it's hard to watch that happen, but God can actually use all of those terrible things to sovereignly, redemptively, creatively move people toward a revelation of him. And so Jacob is at rock bottom, and at that exact moment, God's love breaks through to him. The British writer and theologian C.S. Lewis said this, he said, God whispers to us in our pleasure and shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a sleeping world. Talk about breakthrough, that quote. So we're going to pick up the story now in Genesis 28 and starting at verse 11. This is what it says. It says, taking one of the stones there, Jacob put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. Again, this is pointing to God's desire to be with us, God Emmanuel, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying." Again, he's sleeping. He's having a dream. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you, and wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That is a good dream to have when you're resting on a stone. Hey, awesome. And if every one of us is Jacob, I have to believe that there are breakthrough moments for you, for me, for the people we're praying for, for family members, for people in our community that have yet to find home. They haven't found Jesus yet. For every person who has made mistakes, who is lost, who is disillusioned and hurt. What was God saying to Jacob? He was saying, I am nearer to you than you think. Although I am in heaven and you are on earth, there is a stairway that reaches from me to you. And my angels are continually watching over you. I am not far away. In fact, I am with you wherever you go. Jacob, when you travel, my stairway travels to you. I was with you at home. I was with you when you tricked your brother. I was with you when you deceived your father. I was, I'm with you right now, and I will be with you wherever you go. And you can fill in the blank, each and every one of, one of you, with whatever mistakes, whatever shortcomings that you have had. I was with you when that relationship broke. I was with you when you made that mistake, when, when, in, that, in that terrible time of your life. The reality is that heaven has come. God is with you. Now, this could be a whole other message. I could just easily camp out here with Jacob for a while, but consider the things that God was saying to Jacob. I put them on the slide for you. God was saying, you have a family. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. I'm your God. You're connected. Uh, You have a home. I will give you this land. You have an inheritance, Jacob. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You have protection. It said, I will watch over you. You have fellowship. I am with you. I will not leave you. And you have purpose. I will accomplish what I have promised to you. It doesn't get better than that, does it? Mm -mm -mm. He's got it all. God reaffirms the covenant that he made with his grandpa, Abraham, and with his father, Isaac. You have not lost anything, my son. Family, home, inheritance, protection, fellowship, purpose, purpose. I'm sure there's a few more nuggets in that dream we could pull out, but it is good. Now just pause and think about this story. I love doing this with scripture when you realize just how good God has been to people. What has Jacob done up until this point to receive any of these good things, any of these promises? What has Jacob done? Nothing. He has done nothing. What makes Jacob so special? What makes him deserving of this goodness? Nothing. I have not mentioned one good quality of this young guy. In fact, he's a terrible person. Prior to God showing up, Jacob is not even repenting. He's not heart-wrenched at the mistakes he's made, at least it it doesn't say so. He's not pleading for forgiveness. He's not working towards solutions. He's not doing anything. He's asleep on a rock. And in my office this week, as I reached this point in my message, I just, like, leaned back in my chair, and I was like, God... How far have you come for me? How far have you come for each and every person in our church? One day we will realize just how asleep we were. Just how, ooh, like, just not not there. And God came all the way. God didn't say, I'll meet you halfway. But God took the first step and then that stairway came right to you. He's not coming because You and I are worthy. He's not coming because you and I want him. He's coming because he wants you and he loves you. Amen? I'm going to let you know a a theological term that I read about this week. Uh, I didn't realize that there's kind of different levels and different stages of God's grace in the life of the believer. And so the term that I want to give you right now, it's called provenient grace. I don't know if you've heard of prevenient grace. Another way of describing prevenient grace is preceding grace. It's the grace that goes before. The grace that goes before. I want you to remember that. Theologians say this is the earliest grace that we are recipients of. Prevenient grace is God's gracious intervention. This is how you pray for unsaved family members. This is how you pray for unsaved uh, neighbors. Of course, you invite them, you encourage them, you tell them you're praying for them, but pray for God's gracious intervention. uh, Provenient grace elicits our first desire to know God, to hear God, to listen to God, to follow His will. It's the grace that nudges us while we're still asleep. Jacob was asleep, guilty about his past, fearful of his future, uncertain in the present, and then God nudges him. Shake, shake, shake. (laughs) I've got you. I love you. I see you. You're awesome. I have a plan for you. Did you know that God's grace was working in your life long before you became aware of it? Very often we see it in hindsight. I talk to people about their testimonies, and they go, Oh, I just, I had this experience when I was little, when I was young. From the moment you were born, while you were a teenager, a young adult, getting married, and all the mistakes and missteps that you've had over the years, God has been with you. And he's been creatively, strategically, redemptively working for your good and for his glory in your life. And even at the age that you are today, you can know that grace is up the road. Grace is ahead of you. While you're struggling with the problems of today, God is working on the solutions of tomorrow. Doesn't that give you hope? And all the while, he's just desiring that you would know him, and that you would open your eyes and say, yes, Lord, I hear you. God, you're in my life. Yes. And so consider the Christmas story. Did you know that all Jerusalem and Bethlehem, what were they doing when Jesus was born? Anybody? They were sleeping. They were sleeping. And the wise men, they felt that nudge of grace upon them, and they began searching for the king. But the rest of the world was asleep. There's this beautiful carol, and it's called Silent Night. Holy night. Sleep in heavenly peace. Amen? It doesn't mention that everyone was waiting or watching. It doesn't say that everyone was good or deserving but in the quiet watches of the night God's love was breaking through it was his prevenient grace the grace that goes before that was at work and it's in those moments in your life when everything stops and sometimes like Jacob we stop because we've reached the end of ourselves we're in a barren place we're in a rocky place our head is on a stone and we're like oh my goodness can I wreck my life any more than I've already wrecked my life like this is brutal And then God's love comes. It's amazing. But it's in those moments as well when you're not stressing, you're not striving, you're not full of anxiety or worry or doubt or fear that God rushes in and that he lovingly and powerfully begins working by his grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. All you can do is respond to it and say, thank you, God, for it. There's a kind of sleepiness that is not good. We're gonna talk about sleepiness that is not good first. There's a spiritual dullness that is on a lot of people in our culture, in our society today. There are people that God has been nudging for a long time and in fact, he's not just nudging them, he's (laughs) he's kind of shaking them. Wake up, I love you, wake up. And he'll keep doing that. God's grace will never overpower free will, but his grace empowers our free will to respond. That's what his grace does. Many of you are praying for people to respond to God and he's gonna continue to nudge those people. But there's a good sleep. In fact, again, Pastor Greg said that sleep is a spiritual discipline as well. There's a good sleep. And that's more to the point of this story. Jacob was sleeping. It's good to rest in God's sovereign and redemptive work in your life. And church, you can lay your head on the rock that is Jesus Christ and you can rest in his blessing. For you. You don't have to earn his blessing. In fact, you can never earn it. Jacob wanted to be first. I mean, he came out of the womb clutching a hold of his brother's foot. Church, sometimes we clutch a hold of Jesus' foot and we say, I want to be first. I want Father to bless me. But Jesus is the better older brother. He's the perfect older brother. And every blessing that the father has bestowed upon his firstborn is your blessing too. Remember the definition I gave earlier of supplanter? Someone who illegally seizes and holds the place of another. Someone who illegally seizes and holds the place of another. Did you know that it is illegal for God to bless your self-effort? It's illegal for God to bless your religiosity your stress, your striving, God will not bless that. The covenant of salvation is between the Father and his firstborn. It's between the Father and Christ. And for those who are in Christ, who say, I am second, Jesus is first, blessing forevermore. I could just pray it all over you. Blessing forevermore is yours. Family, home, inheritance, protection, fellowship, purpose, purpose is yours, everything that heaven has given. Wow. Amen? On, now, to close our story today, I want to tell you what happened to Jacob. Verses 16 and 17 of chapter 28, in Genesis. It says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. I love that. He's been sleeping. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. Surely the Lord is in this place. Have you ever suddenly been awakened to the fact that God has spoken to you? Or that God has saved you? You were just going about your life and God was there in your marriage. God prevented you from getting in an accident. God was with you at work. God was with you in that conversation. His spirit touched you. He strengthened you, encouraged you, helped you. And then in awe and wonder, you move away and you go, oh man, God, God, you've just broken through to my life. God has always been with you. And it's just suddenly you're awakened. Your eyes are opened. Wow, God, you're with me. And that's what happened to the shepherds watching over their flocks by night in the Christmas story. Many of them probably sleeping. The stairway had been extended from eternity. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the stairway. An angel, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This Christmas, I pray that you'll have a new perspective of what Jesus has done for you. When you were at your worst, God sent you his best. When you were powerless to save yourself, God sent you his firstborn. And amidst the darkness and the spiritual dullness of our world, while the world is sleeping, while you were sleeping, his love was breaking through to you. Amen? And so I'm going to call the band to come on up. We're going to pray. i got a final quote that I want to read for you. We're going to take communion. Communion, of course, represents common union with Jesus. And in communion... You and I together stand with Jesus. We stand before the Father. This is Jacob and Esau standing together, but we stand with our perfect older brother, and the Father blesses us. And he doesn't bless you on your own, but he blesses you because the firstborn is with you. To close with a quote, this is the French theologian John Calvin. It says this, In Christ alone, It is Christ alone who connects heaven and earth. He is the only mediator who reaches from heaven down to earth. He is the medium through which the fullness of all celestial beings flows down to us and through which we in turn ascend to God. He it is who being the head over angels causes them to minister to his earthly members. Therefore, he properly claims for himself this honor that after he shall have been manifested to the world, angels shall ascend and descend. The similitude of a ladder well suits the mediator through whom ministering angels, righteousness, and life with all the graces of the Holy Spirit descend to us step by step. Oh, can we just say thank you? Thank you. And right now, we just release those graces to you, into your situation, into your family, into your hurts and brokenness, into your deficits. Love, break through. Love, break through. God's stairway directly to you. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can take communion with us today. And you might say, I'm not perfect. That's a good revelation. (laughs) Jacob was not perfect. But the perfect son of God, he died for you and was resurrected to new life for you. And if you cling to him, you can have life and life to the full, life abundant. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. Maybe someone in the room will do this for the very first time. We're going to pray it together Church, we've prayed this prayer so many times, but every time we do, it should be fresh, and we should say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. But if you've never prayed this prayer, I want you to pray it boldly, and if you do this for the first time, I want you to come to the stage after, and I want you to talk with me. I want to talk with you, and I want to pray with you specifically. But can you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming from heaven to save me. thank you for your grace working inside of me. I'm sorry for the ways that I've sinned against you. I ask that you would forgive me, that you would empower me to live with you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's take the bread together, church family. A reminder of Christ's body broken for you and I so that you could be satisfied with salvation. Let's take the bread. The cup, of course, is a reminder of Jesus' blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins I just can't even imagine the weight of release for Jacob to know that he was loved, that he was forgiven, that he was free, and that God had good things in store. All of those promises are yours in Jesus' name. Let's thank him for his blood shed for us. And just before Jesus went to the cross, he said this. This is John chapter 1, verse 51. I tell you the truth, you will see all of heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Hallelujah, let's stand together, and let's celebrate that heaven has come, that the King has come down, and no matter who you are, It doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made, the things you still struggle with. God is for you. He's not against you. He wants to know you. He wants you to respond to him, to his presence, his grace nudging you. And so let's sing this song with some passion now. Amen? Come on. Let your kingdom come here, let your will be done here in us. And Jesus, there is no one greater, for you alone are Savior. Show the world your love. If you need prayer at all, guys, there's prayer available under the cross right now. Jesus, so you can head there at any time. Let your kingdom come, Let your will be done, here. King of heaven, come now. King of heaven, come now. Let your glory reign, shine and light today, King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name of heaven come, we are children, and we are children of your mercy. You're very good. Well, I want you to go home today with a new perspective. Very often we think about heaven as something that is far away, something that is unattainable, unreachable. But heaven has come right down to you this Christmas. This is the story of Christmas. The stairway has been extended to the earth. The ladder has come down. Jesus is that mediator. Jesus is the one on whom angels ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. And so whatever you need today, if it's healing, King of Heaven, come down. If it's courage, King of Heaven, come down. And let Heaven invade your life, the life of your family, the life of that person that you're praying for, King of Heaven, come down. And if heaven can reach someone like Jacob, heaven can reach every single one of us. Amen? And so God bless you. May he fill you with courage and joy and peace and confidence. And I pray that you just have the most amazing Christmas season. I'm going to say it. Merry Christmas. And we look forward to this series at the Father's house. Amen? King of heaven, come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you.